Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good evening and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald, and today we have a wonderful show for you today. There has been a lot going on in the tech world the past week. We have some great stories coming from Apple, who just had their WWDC event. A lot of cool things to talk about there. We have uh, space, some cool things about Mars, uh, cool kind of discoveries, I guess you could say there. Uh, a lot of news with Amazon coming down the pipeline here, and a certain former CEO uh, potentially taking a ride out to space. We'll get more on that later. A couple of other things we have, some news with uh, Tesla, as usual, and our obligatory NFTs and other stories that we have for us today. So, without further ado, uh, we are joined once again by... My counterpart here, we have Matt Grislow with us once again today. How are you doing, Grislow? I'm doing well, Fitz. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Uh, and you, sir, were a busy man today. You uh, watched something that I was too busy to watch. And what may that have been? Yeah. Um, so today, as I'm sure a lot of you know, uh, Apple's kicked off their WWDC 21 event. Uh, it was another virtual event, just like last year, and uh, they had their keynote at, I believe it was, well, my time, Eastern, it was like 1 p.m., uh, ran for approximately two hours, and um, they went over a ton of software stuff, and so uh, I'm excited to talk to you kind of about it today, um, now, uh, recap some of the uh, bigger uh, points of it, because, I mean, like I said, it's a two-hour event, and I could talk about it for two hours as well. But I am not going to do that. Um, <laughs> All righty. Well, so I guess uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's, let's get into get that. Into it. So, uh, actually, we're going to take a little bit of a step back first and talk about this Ooh. one article that that you sent in uh, ahead of the Worldwide Developer Conference. Apple boasters its AirTag privacy measures that they now have uh, increased within their um, AirTags. Long story short, basically, they're just saying um, that, hey, people could track you, um, so we're going to try and prevent that. They're going to now offer an Android app that will let you know whether you're being tracked, and they're also going to, uh, it says initially the Apple device would play sounds in three days, now begin to play random times inside a window that lasts between 8 and 24 hours. So that's kind of the, the highlights there. Uh, Grizzlow, you want any comments on that? Uh, I mean, not many. Um, I mean, I just remember discussing the AirTags the day they were released or, you know, not too far from the day they were released on the podcast. And, uh, the biggest, you know, thing that we talked about was privacy. Obviously with a tracking device, it's going to be your biggest issue. And it's something that Apple takes very seriously. Um, and so clearly they're, they're trying to improve that. They're recognizing after having the product out in the wild for, I want to say, about a month or so or maybe a few weeks. Um, they're realizing that they need to tweak some things, and so they're doing it. Um, and I applaud them for it, especially uh, creating an Android app um, to help on, on that side of things. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I don't want to touch a ton on that because we have so much more to get to uh, with 
the Worldwide Developers Conference. And there's this really good article that The Verge wrote uh, that you sent in, uh, Grizzlo. Thank you so much uh, for doing the majority of their article research in this video, actually. Um, <laughs> but basically, they did a really cool recap. A lot of cool stuff coming out of this. Um, I'm going to uh, let let you just go go all out on this and uh, see see what you have to say. I, I wasn't really there, so I didn't read a ton into it. Yeah, so um, you, know, you actually sent an article in our chat um, that, I mean, is, is bundled into this uh, whole thing here. Um, Apple made a lot of, you know, software updates today. Um, I guess right out of the gate, just saying now, uh, there were obviously some some hopes for some people, including myself, that Apple would include some hardware uh, updates today. In fact, there was one point in time where they started talking about AirPods where I could have sworn they took out uh, of the guy's ear in a close-up shot a brand new um, revamped version of the, the regular AirPods. Um, but that was not the case. The event was totally software-based, and they went over all of their major softwares uh, for I upgrades for iOS uh, Mac OS, iPad OS, Watch OS. Um, did I say Mac OS? Yes, you did. And then some other general things like HomeKit. Um, and so I guess to kick it off, uh, they started with iOS, um, trying to push uh, a lot of new uh, improvements and updates. Um, FaceTime was a, a big uh, talking point at this event, in this portion of the event. Um, some of those new features now, including spatial audio, for uh, the people on the screen, so depending on where someone is in the screen, um, your audio is going to uh, change based upon that. And also, uh, probably the biggest thing from this portion of the event, and probably one of the biggest things of the entire event, uh, was the announcement that FaceTime is now being uh, brought to web browser. You can send a link uh, to invite your friends who don't have uh, iOS devices, and uh, you can have FaceTimes with them, which, which is really cool. Um, and interesting, too, because we're starting to see all kinds of other uh, companies, you know, Microsoft trying to improve Teams uh, for their video conferencing. Um, FaceTime has been exclusive to iOS devices, and now they're trying to bring it to the broader um, video conferencing community. And, uh, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I, I find it frustrating at times when... I have a group of people I want to talk to, and the majority of us have iPhones, and there's that, you know, one or two people that don't have it. Um, yes. <laughs> um, we can't use that, and, and so we have to go and rely on other apps. Um, doing this, you using uh, the new in-browser in feature uh, kind of helps to bridge that gap and allows you to stay in that same uh, friendly ecosystem that is, frankly, pretty, pretty robust and, and well-built. Um, I don't believe you can have as many... Um, uh, occupants in the calls as Teams or Skype or, or Zoom. Uh, I believe the cap might be like 36 or something for FaceTime. It might be it uh, might be higher. I can't quite remember. I um, don't think it says in this article, but yeah, they well they, they did a lot of FaceTime uh, updates last year uh, with iOS 14, and so now with 15, they're trying to just make this a more robust app and, and try and bring it to the masses, and so uh, they're doing that with, uh, with their new updates here. Um, another thing uh, we're doing with iOS is trying to do some things with privacy, um, or at least with self-privacy, um, or, or like do not disturb features. 
Um, and so they they put that into their notifications as well as uh, their um, in the messages app. Now uh, you can basically say in in your different conversations that you're kind of unavailable. Don't bother me. Um, and you can sidestep that if you have like an urgent uh, topic you want to talk to uh, with with that person. Uh, one thing I actually did uh, not mention which is another big feature of iOS 15 uh, is this new feature called SharePlay, which is basically just screen sharing um, for iOS and Apple devices. It's being extended across a lot of the, the products, um, the iPad, the, the iPhone, uh, I believe also the Apple TV and to uh, Macs as well. Um, so there it is there. You'll be able to share uh, video and uh, music with other people on your call, not just on your screen, but also in other streaming apps and uh, music sharing services. And Apple will be opening up their SharePlay API to other developers and for other companies so that, for example, um, you can have like a big viewing party of a TV show um, at night with friends, or if you're doing long distance with a significant other, you can get together and, and watch stuff on your devices. I know I had been, I had tried to do that in the past on, on my um, well, Surface Book, and uh, it, it was just problematic. It wasn't a great feature. It was very clunky, and it didn't really work well. Apple's billing this as a very robust, very well-built uh, feature, and uh, they think that this is going to be a, a big thing moving forward, um, especially uh, as part of this, this uh, keynote today. It was a big emphasis on trying to stay connected with people uh, long distance. We've seen that as a something that a lot of companies have tried to um, kind of tackle as a problem during this COVID pandemic. And uh, clearly with iOS 15, um, this is a new feature that is being pushed pretty heavily. Um, but I think it also has a lot of good um, applications outside of a pandemic. Um, Definitely. So there was that. They had a lot of other iOS stuff. To be honest with you, I don't really think many of them were that important. Um, updates to photos, um, new abilities to create, to automatically create um, different sort of like collages or um, uh, like videos to show different pictures from uh, an, an event you went to or a vacation you went on. Um, that is uh, some of the cool stuff there. They also had like a text to um, like an a, a AI text um Photo detached. Words are hard. Thank you. Yes. It's also getting really hot in here because I turned off my AC um, because the fan runs loud and I didn't want it to be on stream. Um, so if I get hot, like red hot, like a tomato, or red like a tomato, that's why. Ah. Um, so I apologize. <laughs> I'm underground next to a server yeah. rack. So. <laughs> yeah. I am two stories high and heat rises. So. There you go. I didn't really do this too well. Um, yes, so they're going to have an AI uh, read text in your photos. You'll be able to, uh, I believe, search for them in the uh, Photos app, as well as if you have a phone number uh, on the screen in the picture, you'll be able to tap on it and call that number. Um, or if there's some sort of different language, you'll be able to uh, translate that. That's pretty cool. One of, yeah. Um, one of the bigger features of iOS is uh, the added support and added functionality of the wallet app. They're bringing acts, they're bringing uh, 
they're bringing this app and its uh, suite of, of features now to uh, door locks. So you'll be able to unlock your door um, with your phone. Um, and then also, uh, I guess more specifically, the wallet app, you'll be able to use uh, hotel keys as well as uh, at its port for cars. And then the big one, which I'm not quite sure how I feel, is uh, driver's license on the phone. Um, specifically, or I guess in the first case where they uh, presented this feature uh, would be at TSA. Um, it makes sense in a digital world to have a digital ID. Um, just like having your credit card or your debit card on your phone, I think it presents very similar challenges and even bigger challenges with um, an ID versus a means of payment. Um, we'll see how that works. It's going to be rolled out first with the TSA. Um, I, I don't know if showing this to a cop will suffice uh, at, a, at a stop or in the future, if you'll be able to flash this at like a voting booth or, or any area where you need to show you know, your identification um speaking about a cop real real quick aside think about the like really 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 rural places what's that new thing what's that newfangled poopy bit you got there like let (laughs) let alone here's my id it's on this phone and then the cop's gonna be like yeah okay but i digress yeah yeah so that was ios today again there's a lot more uh to unpack if you'd like to look at more of the ios stuff I, I totally uh, suggest going to Apple's website. They do a full breakdown of um, all of the features there. Moving on to iPad OS, um, finally bringing widgets to the home screen. I don't know why they didn't do this last year. I'm assuming it was because they wanted to do a test run on the phones before they brought it to uh, the iPad. It just makes sense to add them to the uh, screen, especially because you have a bigger screen, so you can have bigger widgets with more information. Um, so bringing that to the home screen, they'll also be doing... Um. Oh, is Ryan gonna show up? Oh, is did Ryan <laughs> did Ryan text in the group? He did. Oh, sure. Let's let's have him on. I I'll try. I'll drop him, him in. in. Can you can you port him in? Yeah, I mean, beam him in. Yeah, let's let's uh let's beam him in. There we go. <laughs> this is actually great for the title. Let's 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 get this going. Uh, this so... is why I love. This is why I love doing a live show because anything hap- anything goes and anything can happen. Um, we only started this and we always, you know, talk amongst ourselves before we start the shows to make sure that we have everyone um, that can be available online for the, the show. Um, but we hadn't heard from Ryan and, and we, we usually take a bit of time before we say we're going to start to start the show so we can do pre-show stuff and kind of plan some things out. Um, and we hadn't heard from Ryan and so... Um, yeah, I just got a, a message on my Apple Watch as I was in the middle of talking about the widgets on the iPad. He texted um, about Ryan about twenty was like available. texted almost twenty minutes ago or ten minutes ago, but oh, was, so um, we'll I'll see if he we'll see if he joins up. But anyway, I'm gonna let you keep going on your little spiel here uh, about iPad OS and all the cool new things Apple has been up to. Yeah, um, and so. So the widgets, uh, you're able to add the widgets to the home screen. They also have an easy um, portion of the dock uh, specifically for the, uh, like the, I don't know what to call it. I think it's like the I, the app, uh, 
the shelf. Um, it's the file system that they created last year for the uh, the new um, or for, for the new version of their their home screen from last year. And so now you're able to access that on the uh, the the dock of the iPad in like a little icon similar to a size of a an app. Um, also, you're able to build apps with Swift Playgrounds. Um, I know I talked to, I misinterpreted this earlier as I was uh, watching this and I was snapping fits. I was like, oh my God, now you can make apps natively on the iPad as opposed to needing Mac. Well, yes, but there's limitations and it's not quite what you think it is. Um, so yes, you technically can make apps um, on the iPad with, with Swift background, uh, Playgrounds. Um, but it's not going to be as robust as doing it on a Mac um, and importing it and, and all that fun stuff. So we don't quite have a development system yet, uh, a fully-fledged development system for uh, app development for the iPad, but hopefully now that these uh, iPads are uh, included in the M1 uh, architecture uh, or ecosystem, I suppose, um, they're just as capable as a Mac for code development. So... Uh, and especially with the added uh, uh, functionalities and uh, use of their keyboards and their mice and uh, the ability to add peripherals uh, to make it a sort of standalone uh, almost computer, I, I do expect uh, sometime in the next few years, maybe, um, that you'll be able to develop uh, apps natively uh, on with Swift. On, on the iPad for, for uh, iPad OS and iOS. Um, then this is where they started talking about some privacy things, which also spill into iOS. And uh, these are some actually pretty, uh, pretty interesting things. Um, they started talking about uh, privacy, um, specifically for uh, in the mail and in Safari. They'll now be doing all kinds of uh, uh, blocking with pixel tracking as well as for if you open up an email, um, the, the company that sent it to you will no longer be able to see uh, when, when you open that email, uh, they won't be able to see your, your uh, IP address, um, some things like that. Okay. Um, I may have jumped the gun on some of the, the other uh, privacy stuff because it was for iCloud. Um, but still in the sphere of, uh, of iPad OS and Siri, um, Siri will now be independent of the internet. Uh, they'll be doing more on-device speech recognition, uh, which is really, really cool and really neat considering this is not a feature that has been done before, um, obviously. Um, the only limitation to that, which was not made clear in the uh, keynote today, was that you have to have a device that has an A12 Bionic chip or newer. With iPhones, mm -hmm. I believe it's the iPhone 10. S and newer. Uh, I believe it's the iPad 8th generation and newer. Um, any of the pros should support it. Um, and then Apple Watches will not support it, unfortunately. I see. Um, so that, that kind of does stink. Um, but they did show kind of a really cool feature where right now Siri has a problem where if you ask it multiple things at once, uh, it struggles processing those requests. Um, but they showed a feature where they asked Siri some questions um, and repeated questions without having to say, hey, Siri, or Siri, um, holding down, I believe, what was the power button. And uh, he, he was just able to drill through requests, on-device requests, 
um, things like pull up uh, this app, play this album, uh, send a text to this person, things like that. Um, so that's going to be really cool moving forward, considering um, it's been very internet-based and you need an internet connection to have Siri, even for on-device things, which is very cumbersome and, and quite annoying uh, a lot of the time. Um, now moving to uh, the, I want to say, the watch OS and health side of things. Um, now you'll be able to send uh, health data to uh, your family members and also to your healthcare providers. So you're able to expedite uh, that time between uh, your healthcare provider um, sending results and you getting the information or you sending your healthcare provider or your doctor uh, some health information to get uh, a test scheduled or an appointment set. Um, so that's definitely really handy dandy. Uh, again, I'm kind of going over in simplistic terms a lot of these things here. Uh, you can go to Apple's website and check a lot of that stuff out. Side note, um, I hate the, hate the floating faces again. I'm, I'm going to yes. express my more of my discontent with that, but I digress. Oh, if you didn't, if you don't like Momojis, you would have hated um, the opening. Oh, I, I the know. Opening. I, I saw it and I, I was just kind of like, ew. But yeah, for those for those who didn't see it, the opening shot was of uh, Tim Cook coming out of the back of the theater and opened up to the broad theater of empty seats. But instead of empty seats, they had all kinds of AR placed Momojis. Yeah, and uh, I don't like them. I think they're kind of creepy. I think they're kind of weird. Um, at least that's my own personal opinion. Um, but yeah, they were definitely uh, featured there. Um, yeah, yikes. Yeah. On the AirPod side of things, they had some uh, software tweaks, um, having the ability to announce notifications, also adding them to the Find My Network. So now you can uh, locate them just like you would an AirTag with that compass feature, which I think is really cool. Again, you have to have a phone that has a U1 chip in it. Excuse me. Um, and so um, I can't remember what phones don't have it, um, but you have to have, I, I'm, it might also be the 10s or at least uh, at least 10s, if not the 11, um, to, to use those features, um, which kind of stinks, but yeah. This is the portion where I thought that they were going to unveil some new AirPods or at least a refreshed version of the um, the bottom, you know, tier AirPods that look more like the AirPod Pros um, where they had a shot where they, they went straight to someone's ear and it was a zoomed in shot and the guy took out an AirPod and started talking about all the AirPod updates. Unfortunately, they didn't unveil any hard work here. This is where things get kind of interesting. Um... I shouldn't say kind of interesting because it already had been in other places, but this is where I see uh, Apple doing something kind of cool. Um, they started talking more about iCloud and they unveiled a new sort of bundle uh, called iCloud Plus. Now, when they first started talking about it, I thought this is going to be a feature that was going to be rolled out to everyone um, because Apple is very uh, privacy centric and this uh, iCloud Plus uh, feature or, or service um, it is more of a privacy thing, um, though it's, it's really, really cool. Basically, they've unveiled their own VPN service, uh, as well as a way to skew your emails, um, your email when you sign up for things or you're going online and you're um, searching it, for things. They call it aliasing, so basically adding random email addresses that go to your email. Basically, so you, right. so whatever organization doesn't know what the real email is. Right. Yeah. 
So that's really great for tracking and purposes and privacy. Um, and then also they have a home kit camera storage. They started talking about a lot about the uh, home kit camera um, systems where now you can see it on your Apple TV. You can see your feeds on your uh, Apple watch as well as your phone. Um, now they're going to be able to, to uh, port that uh, video feed uh, straight to your iCloud and keep that there. And all these three things are going to be part of this iCloud plus bundle. Um, it is part of the uh, iCloud paid uh, program. And so if you have an iCloud account already that you pay for, uh, for added storage like I do, um, then you will already have access uh, when these come out uh, to these new features, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. I think especially just to pay a little more for, you know, um, at least for what I do for uh video and uh, photo storage, to be able to get a, a VPN as part of that, I think is pretty neat. Um, also, what I think will be cool looking moving forward um, will be to see how that VPN stacks up against other uh, competitors that are very frequently and very often advertised um, as the uh, ad partners to a lot of different YouTubers, as like right. NordVPN and other, uh, other companies. Definitely. Rounding it out to... Apple Watch, there really wasn't much there. They just had some new um, watch face um, things. They have a new app, a mindfulness app. Um, it's kind of like a, it's kind of, it makes you slow down, pause. It gives you prompts uh, to sort of reflect on. Um, so it can be nice to kind of just slow down and, and try and just kind of put yourself in more of a mindful position. I guess sort of uh, why they named it the mindfulness app. Um, and then, yeah, they have some other watch bases and some added or, uh, improved, uh, versions of the photos app and some of the other apps, um, running it out to Siri, uh, Siri is now going to be added to third party accessories. This is actually probably one of the bigger, uh, announcements of the event, considering Siri has been relegated to Apple products until now, basically, I want to say for the last 10 years. Um, app, I, or Siri has been strictly a uh, Apple uh, AI assistant, was not added to any of their third-party products or any other uh, third-party products for that matter um, until now. So now it's going to be competing essentially with uh, Google Assistant and Amazon's Alexa. So in... I'm, I'm going to interrupt for one second here. So Alexa has allowed you to basically integrate with its API, do anything you want, integrate with the software as a whole, basically since it began. Do you feel as though this is Apple's answer to Amazon gaining more market share with all these third-party devices supporting Alexa? Yes, I really do. I think, I think Apple's finally realizing that Siri is very far behind and so they're trying to, and they have starting, I would say last year, um, in good faith, started making improvements to Siri to try and make it a bit more competitive. Now, I'm not saying it is better than or as good as, even as an Apple fan, as good as uh, Google Assistant or really uh, Amazon's Alexa. Um, but now their willingness to open them to to open Siri up to third-party accessories is, I think, telling that Apple. Um, is willing to uh, do what it needs to do to stay relevant and stay competitive. I can't tell you 
uh, how many people I would go up to and ask about their, you know, home products or automated products in the home and would say, Alexa, without me asking what they use um, right. or what, what voice assistant runs their place. Mm-hmm. My, my parents' home, uh, well, I guess both my mom and my dad's place, um, they, they both have Alexa running their, their, their town home and then in their home. Um, and so I think if, if Siri can get a good, um, grasp on that third party market and, uh, and make improvements in good faith and really good improvements to Siri, I think, I think not next year, not this year, maybe in two or three years, they can start giving, uh, especially Alexa run for its money. Finally, finally, it's really needed a boost. And I think this is going to be, uh, instrumental in that. Very nice. Very nice. Um, the last, I have two, well, really one last thing here and that's Mac OS. Um, I'll be honest with you. It's probably the one thing I paid the least most attention to. Um, I have, uh, wow. Um, an iPhone an iPad, I have a home pod. Um, I have an Apple TV, um, I have an Apple Watch. I think about the only thing I don't have is a Mac. And that's the one point. thing I do have. <laughs> oh, and I suppose and AirPods. Oh, there uh, you I go. both AirPods. Um, but the one thing I don't have is Mac, which is kind of funny just because of how ingrained I am in the system and all of my um, home kit accessories, you know, are, are Apple, um, well, Siri uh, based, right? Um, so who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll end up getting a Mac. But um, some of the big things for the Mac, um, they have a cool feature where you're able to use the cursor on the Mac um, and move over to uh, your iPad as almost like a separate screen. Um, this has been a feature for a while using third-party apps, by the way. Well, now it's native. Um, the cool thing uh, on that, though, which I don't know if it was truly a a third-party ability is now you're able to drag and drop files and share files across um across the device um between the ipad and and a mac um using that using that uh that mouse drag and drop feature you can share a clipboard currently with the third-party apps but you can't share the files as a whole that that's impressive Yes, um, which is really cool. They, they showed a demo where they had a Mac, um, actually a, an Intel-based Mac, um, MacBook Pro, uh, running next to one of their uh, new iPads, and they showed the feature where they're able to move the mouse um, from the uh, Mac to the iPad. And then they did another demo where they had a one of the new uh, Mac, um, the iMacs, next to the MacBook, next to the iPad, and they dragged a file all the way over from the iPad to the iMac, um, and it was a iMovie file. So it was a fairly large file, um, and it worked pretty pretty well. Um, there, there was a little bit of a boot time, not that much, um, but considering I'm sure the size of the file um, and a lot of the think time that has to uh, happen before you can generate any sort of uh, you know, live uh, playing uh, feedback, um, I thought it was pretty, pretty good. Um, so there was that. Um, and that was, I would say that's probably more of the bigger feature. They included, uh, shortcuts now, um, Siri shortcuts on the Mac, um, as well as the focus on, on the, uh, the Mac, the focus being the, the, the new D and D feature, um, as well as share play. 
on there. So, um, oh, and I guess the one last thing would be, um, and this this is something um, talking about features that have been available via third-party apps and, and other, uh, like through Android or, or, or in Windows, other features that have been available on other platforms for a long time. Um, they redesigned the uh, the tab, uh, the upper tab bar on, on the Mac. And so now you can do uh, tab groups um, or new tab groups um, and just sort of a new redesigned interface. Um, Mac OS is pretty light on, on um, improvements and advancements. Uh, oh, it's also called uh, Mac OS Monterey. I like that because I'm a boat guy. And Monterey is also a brand of boats. That's a pretty good boat brand, um, and so I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of rounds up, it rounds out uh, WWDC 2021. Again, all hardware, no software. Um, maybe we'll see uh, some of the other new so- hardware that we had been ex- anticipating, such as the new uh, AirPods, and possibly some sort of uh, FaceTime camera uh, thing that. Uh, that Facebook seems to also have uh, a similar similar device right now. I can't remember what to call it. Um, possibly, I guess in September or whenever Apple does their their uh, Apple their iPhone events. Um, but yeah, a lot of software stuff. And, and again, if you want to read more into this, you can go to Apple's website and read into it. Um, what I found also is that typically um, when they unveil a lot of these things, they go with more of the bigger items, and then at the end they show like the, the title card for the OS in the middle and then all the features around it. And typically, I would say a quarter of those features were not mentioned at all in the keynote, but were pretty cool and um, typically are ones that people get excited for. Um, so if you want to read any more into those, you can go on Apple's website and check out their uh, page on that and uh, do deep dives into it. Perfect, perfect. Well, that is a very thorough explanation of everything that uh that happened i could be more thorough but i don't want to (laughs) oh yeah i'm sure you could i mean uh we've we've kind of beat the apple uh the apple horse here um and i know you have a treat especial uh coming but i actually may put that out to next week because we we've we spent 40 minutes on or sorry 35 minutes on all Apple stuff. So, I mean, definitely that's uh, something that's coming along. Uh, <laughs> I guess it would be better to give it more time. Right. I And we can talk a little bit about some of these new features that were, that were kind of shoved under the rug a little bit um, and go into your treat for next week. So uh, tune in next week, and we are going to see something great. And hopefully by that time, Ryan will be able to join as well. Uh, I just got a text from him. He says uh, <laughs> he didn't have his audio gear set up just yet, uh, so we're waiting for uh, him to to get that set up and we should be good to go. Um, so from there, we have a couple other, we have actually a lot of articles for you tonight. We're going to kind of breeze through these, not super quick, but go through them a fair bit. We've, we've already eaten up a fair bit of time here. Uh, so we have an article for Dell. Dell's Alienware brand was sued over its unprecedented upgradability claims. Long story short, one of their customers, uh, believes that because the because Intel changed the chipset 
that is used within these these laptops, you're not able to swap in parts in and out as much as uh, Dell touted and really, really made a big marketing push to kind of like um, say like, yeah, you could swap in and out every other part that you want. And uh, basically his claim is that as you're uh, you made this investment thinking that you'd be able to upgrade it over time, but that's not the case. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that one, Grislow. I don't think it's going to be a hot take. It's probably going to be one of the coldest takes ever. But, I mean, this is it's not a new take for anyone to say that it's very disappointing to hear um, when consumers are you know, surprised by how unupgradable something is that they've purchased after being told that they're able to upgrade it or add new features or you know, add modules to it if it's a modular device. Um, and that's, that's a pretty disheartening thing, um, especially when you, when you get to devices that are, you know, very expensive and you're paying a lot for them. You expect to be able to either service them very easily or upgrade them very easily. And those two kind of things go in tandem. And if you can't do one or the other or most of the time it's both, it's a problem. Um, it's really not great uh, for the company. Um, I mean... It's not like they're going to lose sleep over this, I'm sure. Um, they've got plenty of other things down the pipeline that they'll be working on and that'll make them money um, that people will forget about this. Um, but this is not this is not what you want to see, um, even especially, I guess, in, in the short term, if you're Dell um, or, or at all, if you're a consumer. Right. And the big thing that I guess struck me for this is they were advertising this like they're like, hey, we want you to upgrade parts in this computer. And then because of this change in this new model, the parts were no longer compatible with the older model computer. So, yeah, that's a it is what they call the industry a big oof. There you go. Use those real technical terms here. All righty. Well, anyway, uh, completely shifting gears here, uh, we have a article from uh, NASA, actually, NASA's Mars Project here, and I'm not sure if you guys knew this, but uh, there, there's clouds on Mars. I, I didn't know this, but the cooler part is they're, like, shiny. They're shiny clouds. Uh, yes, I, I, I guess that's not what you could call it, but, uh, basically there's like these iridescent mother of pearl clouds, uh, and it, it just looks kind of cool. I, I didn't know that. Uh, long story short, this article just kind of goes into, uh, detail sailing, like all of the stuff that Curiosity was able to find, uh, like showing some of the weather there. And I didn't realize, but it's like pretty rare, uh, to have clouds on Mars. And now because of new technology, they're realizing that these clouds are much higher than they'd originally thought they were. So the what that means is uh, instead of it being like water droplets, people are thinking that it's carbon dioxide. And that's kind of cool, in my opinion. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's I think dry it's pretty ice. neat. Um, so. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty neat. Um, this was not an article that I found through really many or any of mainstream uh, sources. I mean, that was straight from NASA. That was a NASA press release that you just showed. Um, and that it actually was only, I think it's like a week and a half old too. Um, so it's not breaking news or whatever. It didn't happen over the weekend. Um, 
But I think it's important to continue to uh, show people what's going on on Mars as things come out from NASA. Um, this is a big investment on, on NASA's part. And uh, this is a big experiment. The whole, the whole rover is a big experiment, especially bringing uh, material back from Mars, Martian material, uh, to, to investigate it and to do uh, tests on it and experiments on, on the samples that they uh, get. And then also just to take pictures. This is probably one of the first times, or this is one of the first times we've had like a nice high definition uh, color camera on Mars. And we're able to see a lot more than we were ever able to see. Um, so it's, I think it's important to continue to show people uh, what's going on in this uh, Mars exploration um, so people stay informed and, and stay kind of excited about uh, Mars. Definitely, definitely. Speaking about space and other things, uh, this was breaking uh, as of yes, no, this is today. It's the seventh. Yeah, yeah. This was breaking as of today. Jeff Bezos is going to space on the first crewed flight of his Shepard capsule for Blue Origin. That's nuts to me. He's the first kind of like CEO type person uh, to go into um, space, which is interesting to see. Um, okay, <laughs> that's, that's kind of that's kind of my my thoughts of that. It's your company, do what you want. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Um, also, something something to note um, that flight will be taking place, I believe. Uh, approximately two weeks after he seeds uh, CEO ship of Amazon uh, when the next guy steps up. Um, and so this is kind of going to be his uh, big first. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of his first uh, big, I don't know if it's going to be like a P I guess it is a PR stunt, but um, this is going to be his big sort of first push um, when he's exclusively focusing on his company here. Uh, I believe it's going to be flying somewhere in the neighborhood of like 60 miles uh, above the, uh, above the earth. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's going to be pretty cool. Um, it's a crew. It's a small capsule. I think um, it's going to be him, his brother, uh, and then a few other people. Um, yeah. I think uh, one of these spots is going to be auctioned off. And right now it's going for something like, I don't know, a cool, $3.2 million or something. Yep. Um, yeah, so it'll, it'll be cool. This will be a good first for the world. Let's um, check. And, oh, it's up to 3.5. Oh, really? Yeah, it's up to 3.5 well, now. So, hmm. okay. on their website. Well, okay. Well, I think any progress is, is, is good progress, and this is just uh, another step in the right direction um, for this sort of uh, base fair. Exactly, exactly. And we'll, we'll see how it works. Uh, definitely going to be interesting. In other Amazon news, uh, we got two kind of rapid-fire articles for you here today. If you own an Alexa device, please listen up, or a Ring doorbell, or anything that connects to the internet that has Amazon somewhat associated with it. Um, this is a new feature that Amazon is going to be adding called uh, Amazon Sidewalk. Uh, basically, what that will do is that will allow your device to connect to other neighbors' Wi-Fi's if it may be stronger in that given location. Likewise, that allows your neighbors' devices to connect to yours because of just the way the internet works. So um, there's uh, kind of this is kind of a PSA. 
Um, I understand the point of them wanting to do this because it improves the speed and reliability and everything. Uh, but they're just kind of taking your internet. And I know a lot of internet service providers like mine uh, just decided to put in data caps during the pandemic, which is a totally great move on their part uh, to, and that's eating away at some of that, some of that uh, um, information. So uh, if you're interested in turning that off, look up Amazon sidewalk, turn off, and uh, there will be plenty of instructions there on how you can do it for you. Um, but I mean, I, I see the point. Um, I just don't like things. I don't know relaying traffic through my network personally. I mean, I don't think they're going to be nefarious. Uh, you never know. Them nefarious, you know, web traffic. Um, it, it's for consumer devices. I'm not too worried. Um, I'm also not on the Amazon ecosystem, so I'm safe. Um, but I know, like I said, when we're talking about iOS and, and uh, Siri integration now on third-party devices, Amazon sort of runs that space. Um, and so, yeah, I can, I can see it being a concern for people that are concerned. Um, for the average consumer, uh, I don't think it, it is that alarming. Um, but certainly if you're, if you're, you know, concerned about privacy, you're concerned about, um, any sort of foreign internet traffic on your, on your system, on your internet, then, um, yeah, you know, uh, be careful. Definitely. Definitely. The next article we have for you is another uh, Amazon story, this time for AWS. They're announcing an IoT, or Internet of Things, partnership with the farming solutions provider Yara. Uh, long story short, what they're looking to do is automate uh, farming and kind of work with, this, with Yara here uh, to create what's called a digital production platform um, that will basically work with Amazon services and stuff like that to gain censored data and crop data and all that stuff out in the field, which is really cool. Um, they're basically pinning it as a res uh, responsibility to feed the world and protect the planet um, and basically figuring out ways to automate and work with farming in ways that are much more efficient. Um, so there's, there's your uh, announcement and Amazon getting into another thing. Uh, I'm not sure if it should or whatever, but hey, if they can make it more efficient, why not? Automate the world, baby. My job's in automation, and I totally am, so am for. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm totally for uh, the introduction of the Internet of Things uh, into new spaces, and you know, making things more efficient, um, getting more information and data on on your systems that are running. Um, I'm all for it. Keep it coming. Definitely, definitely. Uh, speaking of automation, maybe maybe that may be a little harder to do uh, for the next year or so because uh, uh, Intel announced that uh, their semiconductor shortage could last years, as they put it. Their new uh, CEO, Pat Gelsinger, said that there could be a potential global shortage for several years. Uh, but... I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I'm not sure if this is just new CEO blowing smoke or kind of what's going on. Um, but we will definitely uh, see what's uh, what's going on here. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I I would like for this thing to not last long. Um, 
I think I told, I don't know if I told you this. I went out to get some, uh, some SD cards last week. Um, you know, not even like processing big processing power chips, just SD cards, um, like SanDisk micro SD SD cards. I couldn't find them anywhere. And it, it was so hard to find them. Um, I went to Walmart and they finally had them, but, uh, it's affecting everything. Um, right. I mean, the Raspberry Pis, especially like I, I know I talked to you about this. I bought a Raspberry Pi. Um, I think like little, three weeks ago now. Single board computer for those who don't know. Yeah, and um, this computer that shouldn't be more than thirty-five dollars normally uh, ran me approximately fifty dollars, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially for what you're getting. <laughs> it, it's, it's a perfect little computer, and it, it was spec to what I needed it to be. Um, but with the specs that it had uh, at the price that I purchased it at, in a normal time, I would not have, uh, have bought it at that, that price. Right. But, you know, it is what it is. I hope it doesn't last long, the chip shortage. Um, I, it, it definitely is problematic, you know, when, when you see um, everyone's at home, and I mean, People are going back out, right? But at least up until now, everyone's been at home. Um, people are getting antsy and bored. And they want to buy. They want to buy stuff, right? They want to get more iPads. Like, iPads are up right now by a lot. Um, Apple t- has sold a ton of them at least in the last year or so, um, or in the last uh, uh, few weeks or months. I'm sorry, uh, with with the new iPads, because um, they're seeing people want want more products because they they're just bored at home. Right. Um, and you know, people with PC projects and all kinds of things. I mean, I just got a new TV. In, in January, um, it's affecting that too. Right. I really hope it doesn't last as long as this guy says it does. As the well, Intel CEO says it does. We um, will. We will definitely see on that. I, who knows? Yeah, I mean, because I mean, the biggest problem at the end of the day is people have, are losing, are still trying to recover and, and get their jobs back. Right? Um, people are seeing decreased uh, amounts of money that they they can spend, um, and these chip shortages are are eventually. Uh, really going to cause, if they haven't already in the areas you've seen them, going to cause very significant increases in prices uh, for consumer products that you're not going to want to pay, but you're going to have to if you really want the products because that's going to be the way it is, unfortunately. And the next story we have here really, really kind of compounds that too. Uh, BitTorrent creator's green cryptocurrency called Chia is accursed of accused of burning through solid state disk drives. So long story short, um, the, the chip shortage is bad as is you just mentioned storage is an issue. Well, what about cryptocurrency that uses storage? And basically what this is, is it's a, a cryptocurrency that uses storage instead of computing power. Um, well, there's still computing power, but it uses storage as kind of the, the asset in which, you you mine and long story short um people are saying that this is causing a lot more e-waste and perpetuating the chip shortage because these drives that normally would last years and years and years are now getting burnt out in about three weeks due to the excessive writes and reads on these drives now um and they're just getting burnt out and causing e-waste so um it's it's insane. It says creating plots at this rate burns up the equivalent of a one terabyte SSD every three seconds. So oh. that's about that's insane. So we'll oh. see. We'll see. Oh, uh, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I did not see that uh, 
that line in the article, but as soon I mean, you heard me, as soon as you said that, that just makes my stomach weak. Like, a one terabyte SSD is, not only is it expensive, um, but it's big, and it's just sort of a heck of a lot. Um, and for, uh, in a chip shortage uh, time right now, where it's hard to come by chips, let alone, you know, any device that has some sort of computing power, SSDs being one of them, um, this is not the time to be burning through those like uh, they're going out of style. Right. Yikes. Definitely yikes. And uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see um, with, the, with the chip shortage how that, how that pans out. All righty. Um, the next kind of shifting gears here, uh, we have an article from Elon Musk. He says Tesla is canceling its Model S Plaid Plus. And it's canceling its Plaid Plus model. Uh, he said that the Model S Plaid is, quote, just so good. And uh, that will ship this week after a small delay. Um, yeah, he kind of just said it in a tweet. Um, long story short, super, super fast car. Um, and, yeah, that's that's about it. Zero to 60 in under two seconds. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think the bigger thing to come out of this, though, um, from what I understand, the, the Plaid Plus model not only was it going to be or supposed to be slightly faster, um, it was also supposed to have an increased uh, range, um, like 540 miles versus the 300 so how the Plaid does. Um, so I I would be very frustrated as someone uh, who was looking forward to that to not have that available. Um, I also don't really think that I would prioritize, especially at the speeds that these cars already go at, I would not be prioritizing uh, speed over uh, range. Um, so that's kind of the, the ceiling right now on a lot of these cars. It's not how fast they can go, because we already know they can go really freaking fast, right? It, it's how, how far they can go. Um, so I think it's kind of disappointing. I'm curious if that has anything to do with any of the um, shortages that the, the pandemic has created if this this Plaid Plus version was not necessary or not in Tesla's budget to even uh, produce because of any sort of shortages that were happening, like right. possibly in a battery shortage area, it, it, although they have their own batteries. Um, it, does but, say, I mean, it does say, it says, the company's earnings call in April, Musk said the shortage was causing, quote, insane difficulties for the company. It yeah. Said, and at the May, he said it was responsible for Tesla raising the price of its vehicles. So yeah, and and this isn't the only thing that has been controversial. I think last week um, they announced that they're going to be taking out like lumbar support for the Model Three and Model Y, um, and they justified that uh, by saying that they took in user data and found that almost none of their Model Three and Model Y users even use the lumbar support. Uh, and this is after pushback from the consumers saying, "What the heck? Why are you taking this feature away?" And then also increasing costs. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a difficult time for everyone right now. No, I'm, Tesla, I'm sure, did not want to be the company that that talks about this awesome car and then says, yeah, we can't do that, or has features in their cars and says, okay, we can't do that, and then also upcharges. They're not the only people affected or company affected by the shortage. Um, and fortunately, that's kind of how it is right now. Right. Well, we're going to see about that because I don't know how this chip shortage is going to go uh, because Tesla revamped their Model S and X featuring RDNA uh, G two GPUs with AMD partnering with them. Uh, basically, long story short, um, they're going to um, 
partner with AMD and use like a PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X uh, GPU within the Tesla, which is going to be super cool. And uh, they're just get, basically getting new series on that. So uh, not sure what your thoughts on are with that. I mean, we talk about a, a very simple, I would say a fairly almost standard feature in cars about lumbar support. Uh, granted, this these you know this feature was taken away in their budget models, the Model 3 and Model Y, um, versus the S and the X, which are their more premium models. Um, but I, I really don't know what to say to this. It's It seems so silly. Um, when they announced support for the uh, like uh, Bluetooth controllers uh, to be able to play games on on these new next gen um, vehicles, like people were kind of like confused. Um, I'm not sure if they were more excited than than confused. At least I was a little more confused and excited. Um, not only because it just seems out there, but I'm just not in the market for a Tesla right now. I'm still paying off my Honda Accord. <laughs> um, but it. it... I, I think they're. I think Tesla is getting to the point where they're starting to add features that are just unnecessary. Um, this being a very prime example, um, and then also the uh, supposed SpaceX uh, package or edition of <laughs> the, the, the Model car. S yeah. with rocket thrusters. Yeah, that was a roadster, by the think, way. I believe, but right. Um, I, I, they're starting to get to just kind of unnecessary features. Um, and especially when you mentioned the chip shortage, I, I think it's important to keep that in context of this too, where they're slashing features on their budget models and then also adding these really wild features that in turn do uh, kind of add to this chip shortage in a negative way. Um, I don't think it's necessary. Also, I don't really know how practical it is if people are going to start carrying around, you know, game console uh, controllers, uh, wireless game console controllers to play games in the passenger seat or like in the middle back seat um, of of that center screen. Um, right. It's silly. I don't think it's necessary. Right. It, at least from a sustainability and trying to make electric vehicles um, more mainstream. Um, we shouldn't be making these cars more expensive or giving reasons to make these cars more expensive. Um, that's just my, that's my well, opinion. Speaking of silly and unnecessary, uh, the next article we have is about a Norton antivirus. They're adding Ethereum cryptocurrency mining to their antivirus package, which I'm kind of confused about because it says Norton 360 customers will have access to an Ethereum mining feature in the quote coming weeks. This is a antivirus software. This is supposed to prevent you from like bad people from using your computer to mine cryptocurrency or do other bad things. And it's it's I, I don't even know like it's it's just saying like they're going to be basically building this into their software where they can um earn some basically you can earn some cash by just mining cryptocurrency kind of in the background as people um will will do but it's leading to higher energy and it's just like what <laughs> so this was really silly and 
I am very confused about it, but whatever, Norton, uh, you do you. Uh, any thoughts on that one? <laughs> yeah, I, the one thing that, I mean, to talk about like some strange articles today. Um, this one is definitely more off the wall than, than I guess a lot of the other ones. But um, the, like you talk about privacy and security and uh, it's a consumer centric product, right? Um, right. This is, uh, it's interesting, but I guess, I guess the one thing um, that I would caution people on is, is don't forget that uh, cryptocurrency income is taxable in the United States. Um, you know, a lot of these things we, we talk about on the show are consumer electronics and consumer products. And the standard consumer does not read far into the disclaimers. They don't read far into, you know, the, the possible, like, bad situations that could have come from um, certain specific uses of, of their products. And I think this is one of them because um, you'll see people, um, I'm sure people will read the headline and go, oh, great, I can start making money. Um, using Norton uh, Norton services, and all of a sudden, um, you know, Norton could potentially take a cut of it, and then if they aren't already, well, and then it's a, it's a subscription. Gonna... As part okay. of as part of your subscription service, you have access to this feature. So, mm. um, and then also, you know, the the you have to you pay, you know, off part of that income uh, as part of you having that cryptocurrency because it's taxable in the United States. Needless um, to say, electricity too, the increased cost of and, actually the computer running and wear and tear yeah. components and all that stuff. So. Yeah. And again, in a, in a chip shortage world right now, I'm not quite sure if uh, something like this should be pushed um, by, by Norton. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of, new aspect to to the product i'm not quite sure if the timing is great and i right. think they need to do a better job um or they will need to do a better job uh educating the consumer on the entire product and service and everything that comes with it right and one of the other interesting things that I wanted to bring up in this this article too is near the bottom of the article they basically are like uh, wait a second, Norton is, is installed by default on a lot of computers that people buy. And is this going to now become a common occurrence where basically these vendors install crap on your computer, then you can kind of make money off of it. And they're just installing all this bloat and this awful stuff on the computer and basically being like, hey, you could make money and kind of dangling that reward in front of you but leading to the slippery slope of just like they're it, like they're opening a door that they put in the article. Like how do they like, is this something that people want or need? So, right. Right. Who knows? Yeah, and again, like in, in the, today's day and age, and I mean, really in today's day and age, I'm in May or what is it? June 7th, 2021. Um, I guess my Apple Watch doesn't tell me the day, so that was really good that I remembered the day. Great um, design, Apple. <laughs> um, I could have changed my watch face, so they have good design. I just don't choose that one. Also, I didn't look hard enough. It says Monday the 7th. It just doesn't say the day or the month. To be fair, I also could have looked at my computer screen in front of me and looked at it. Either way, 
um, yeah, in today's day and age, in, in the middle, or at least the coming off the end of the pandemic, and but still not the chip shortage, um, this is probably not what we want in uh, in a company, in, in something, uh, in, a, in a product the company is trying to push. Right, right. And we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I'm definitely going to want to kind of find a follow-up story on this, see how uh, the community accepts that. So uh, we'll see. We are definitely going to see. Moving on to our obligatory NFT news. Uh, Matt, you sent this one in. Uh, iconic Olympic pins are being replaced by NFTs. Number one, I didn't yep. know this was a thing. Number two, cool, they're NFT net, NFTs now. Uh, so I'm not sure if you want to say anything else on that one. Yeah. Um, so this year, I suppose, and I didn't even know this, um, they won't be having visitors to the Olympics. And so, um, typically they have pins for their events and for the Olympics. Um, and you can buy them and they become collectible obviously over time. Um, but because you can't have visitors this year, they found a way to integrate them in a different way through the use of NFTs. Um, this again, harkens back to our conversation, you know, two months ago or, or whatever it was of how are these going to be applicable in the real world? When are we going to see these really starting to pop off? And the answer is, uh, now, uh, or, or, you know, a month ago, um, it's happening. It's, it's interesting and it's, it's kind of cool. Um, you'll be able to buy them online. Um, they range from like $9 to $500 and, uh, there's different designs, I believe, uh, at least there were pictures of some older uh, pins that they created as NFTs. Yeah, um, so there might be, here. yeah. So I think they're, you're also able to buy like older ones. Yeah. Like um, Munich ones. Yeah. So I, I suppose from the standpoint of the uh, Olympic committee or conference or whatever that the, the governing body is that reaps the benefits of this, um, this is kind of a way to recoup costs. Um, again, I I will remain I will I will I will remain in the same stance I have been this entire time we talked about NFTs. I have not wavered on this position, and I don't think I will on this position. We're talking about again uh, a digitization of a physical collectible. I don't think that um, the 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 digital uh, version will hold any more significance or uh, prize status over a physical uh, version of copy. Now, obviously this year um, they won't be doing physical ones, or at least for now they won't be. I don't know why they can't just sell physical ones anyway for the, the collectors that don't really care about NFTs to put it quite frankly. Um, mm -hmm. I would be in that camp as well. I would prefer uh, the Olympic committee to, uh, put out physical, uh, buttons and pins. But if this is what they're doing and people buy into it, um, and they see that this is something they want to continue doing, I'm sure they will continue to do it. I don't think that they'll be, uh, exclusively moving to NFT, uh, versions of their pins, at least for the next few years, but that could change. Right. Definitely. We'll have to see, too, um, how this is accepted and whether people actually are, are into it. Um, I I feel like pins are very mu much more associated with, with older people. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure 
how they're going to entice a younger crowd, which would probably be more apt to buy an NFT into this type of market. So we'll, we'll definitely see. That's fair. That's fair. I think I guess the only other thing I could think of or, or situation I could think of where um, younger kids are exposed to pins and that the physical pin um, takes on more meaning would be at Disney. Um, I was going to say uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the collectible pins at Disney. Um, and who knows? Maybe I'm, it's, maybe I mean, it's adult, similar adult to this. Them, absolutely. They mm-hmm. do. Um, but I, I don't think that, uh, I, I don't think that the Olympic NFTs will really take off um, the way and, and maintain that sort of status that, you know, the little kids uh, hold that uh, of the physical uh, ones from Disney. Um, but, but we'll see. Maybe maybe culture will change. Um, I mean, you did say, yes, pins are typically associated with older people. Like, I don't know many of my friends that go out and get, like, pins of, you know, the universities they, they visit or the vacation spots they go to. It's usually, like, a T-shirt or whatever. Um, right. Or a plaque or something. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it is a dying kind of thing and this is the way to bring it back to sort of uh modernize it um in the end it is just a collectible right and anything that's collectible will have a value and and can only go up or down in value depending on how uh sought after that that valuable thing is or that that asset is so we'll see we will see indeed speaking of sought after uh, the next article we have for you, the Iconic Doge meme is going to be auctioned off as an NFT. Uh, proceeds are going to be going towards charity, uh, said a spokesperson. But this one is going to be interesting because uh, it says basically uh, a Japanese nursery, nursery teacher, Etsuko Sato's Shiba Ino Kabosu, were shared and the Doge meme trend was born. Um, but the interesting thing about this auction in particular is this is the first time Know Your Meme is certifying the authenticity of this meme NFT. So basically, um, uh, what is it? Sato's uh, releasing some of these pictures of her dog as um, NFT. So um, basically, it's going to be really cool. Um <laughs> That's that's awesome. Um, and if it's going to to charity, that would be wonderful. Um, I just it is. If you go to the bottom, yeah. they, they do oh, mention. Let me yes. see. Uh, where is it? Like uh, the last possible paragraph. Uh, we believe creators should get properly credited for their work in this space. OK, maybe not the last one, okay. but uh, <laughs> it's in there. I'm sure it's around here somewhere. Uh, yeah, there you go. The proceeds from the sale of Doge will go toward charities. Yeah. Spokesperson for the auction said. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a doggo. Who who doesn't like a doggo? <laughs> so, I think it's kind of funny to see uh, memes being sold as NFTs. Um, I, I've never really thought of a meme as any having any more value than you know the laugh that you get. Um, I, I suppose they do um, when you're talking about the original meme. Um, I also suppose if you want to. Um, consider the memes um, you could look at the um, viral videos that have been already sold as NFTs uh, as, as sort of memes in themselves the Charlie bit my finger $761,000 for that one yeah the Britney alone one yeah. um, the David after Dennis I mean 
these are all in a way i mean they're all they're all jokes right um, right there, there are joke aspects to them they're, they're pop culture um i didn't think there would be any more value to them more than the initial laugh i guess maybe the the viral videos are a little different because they're more pop culture icons and themselves than these other guys they've been around longer than these other ones like doge um the doge meme um but again if people will will pay money for it and it's going to a good cause i'm not gonna complain i'm not gonna throw a fit and i encourage it i suppose maybe i will buy a, a doge uh mft who knows who knows we could figure that out from there well, the last story that we have for you tonight, uh, you may be wondering why I chose this title for uh, the episode, uh, but long story short, um, the the article that I wanted to bring to your attention was about Boom Supersonic. United placed a $3 billion order for 15 supersonic jets, uh, and this is really, really, really uh, put into perspective a lot of kind of what we've been talking about and some of this this uh, stuff that we've been uh, looking at over the course of the entire uh, series here. But uh, Boom Supersonic, we've been... I think we talked about them once before. Um, they are a startup, basically, that is making a supersonic plane that's not uh, like the Concorde from uh, 2004. They're very much so modern, sleek... Um, very interesting. And the cool thing is, uh, they're, they're going to take your trips down exponentially. It says, I can fly at a top speed of Mach 1.7, which is insane. So like a New York to London flight could be flown in under four hours and San Francisco to Tokyo could be flown in six. Like that is insane. And basically United bought, uh, I believe 15 of these planes uh, that they're going to use for these long haul overseas flights. And to put that into perspective, uh, the Concorde retired the last supersonic plane that retired in 2003. Um, and that was used for your overseas travel. But the interesting thing about this plane as a whole is they're designing it for 88 passengers that are one-to-one -one business class. They're just making it super long, super efficient, super comfortable and flying at 60,000 feet, where no other aircraft can currently go. Um, so that is going to be absolutely insane for to, to see it, for me at least. I think it's super cool. Yeah, and there's actually a few more things um, that you didn't mention that are, are really neat. Um, one of them being, if probably not the biggest uh, reason why United, next to uh, faster uh, plane speeds... Uh, why United purchased these uh, aircraft is uh, these are going to be some more sustainable uh, aircraft. They're going to be running on some fully sustainable uh, aviation fuel. Um, and so it's going to be really good for the environment, uh, also good for uh, United's PR, obviously. Um, and just kind of neat in general. Um, the amount of, uh, of airports that currently support this fuel or that are gearing up to support the fuel um, are going to be few and far between. So it's going to be a small program to start. I mean, they're only buying 15, um, but they have a uh, tentative agreement to purchase another 35 um, 
if they so choose in the future. Um, and this is going to be going online in 2029 to the general, to the general public uh, with the first flights uh, in 2025-2026. So it's going to be pretty neat. I mean, the idea that you can get such a a long, uh, at least long or or far in distance, uh, flight condensed into a short, short amount of time uh, is going to be really neat. I'm curious uh, about the costs if they're gonna if these are gonna be more premium yes. uh, rides. <laughs> Guaranteed. Um, not only not only because of the time it will take that now or the, the the cut down time it'll take on these flights, but also because of the experience you're getting inside. Uh, it's gonna be more of a business uh, class uh, sort of experience. I want to say uh, going through that that version of that article I saw, um, there's gonna be more like automated. Um, experiences and services. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely. No other, yeah, no other uh, airlines doing it right now. Yeah, um, actually, these uh, these aircraft you're seeing um, are renders. Uh, obviously, not only because United hasn't purchased these yet, but also because uh, Boom hasn't technically made these aircrafts yet, and they're still testing them out. Um, but they're very hopeful that in three or so years or four years here, four or five years, we'll be able to get some of the first ones up into the skies. And by close to the end of the decade, yeah, there you go, the XB-1. Yeah, this is um, their prototype plane right now that, that currently does exist. Yeah, so that's a quite a bit smaller than uh, what United is tentatively purchasing here. Um, but if this works out, it's going to be pretty neat. Um, and I would be... I'm very curious to see how consumers react or will react uh, to this new uh, air travel uh, accommodation. If they were willing to, uh, if it is going to be more expensive, if they're willing to pay more for a shorter flight to have more time in their destination or to get back home quicker um, or just to have a better in-flight experience. Right. And the other thing that's going to be, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on too, is to see if other airlines follow suit. Uh, the the issue with the Concorde was it was so costly to operate and there just wasn't enough interest in the prices that were being charged that it wasn't sustainable and that's why we aren't seeing them fly today. Um, it's It's been rumored around that it's significantly cheaper to operate one of these aircraft that will give you an even better return on investment than a Concorde would have because your Concorde still doesn't, I don't believe can reach that same maximum speed. I mean, granted, I'm no aeronautical engineer. I'm no plane expert here. I could be completely wrong. And all my friends who watch this could probably uh, give me a lot of BS about this uh, when, when they watch the replay, but I think it's going to be super cool to see what happens here. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, as the token engineer of this podcast, I also am not qualified to speak on this. I am not an aeronautical engineer. I'm not an aerospace engineer. I am by uh, my major an electrical engineer. Um, I don't really, I can't really tell you much about this um, in terms of the physics um, or anything like that. The one thing I, the plane go I fast. About, that's all yeah, I, that's no, my, my no, no. valid knowledge here. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, you kind of leaned right into what I was about to say, um, because the first thing, I, one of the first things that stood out to me was that the speed 
uh, of this plane is going to be pretty significant. It's going to be, what do you say, 1.7, 1.8 Mach? Yeah, Mach 1.7, it says. Yeah, that's a that's pretty significant speed. Um, now, I, I've never gone faster, at least in my own commercial vehicle, than, let's say, somewhere in the triple digits on the highway. Um when it was legal to put that um, to put that into perspective real quick that is 1304.36 miles per hour yeah i so i'm really curious how um this is going to be this how this aircraft is going to be vetted by the uh was it fcc the faa faa thank you fcc um, does technology faa does planes right 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 i i thought f and i thought oh flight yes um, yeah, I, I think that the FAA is going to have to do a bit more vetting with this, making sure it's safe for consumers. Um, cause saying plane go fast is really easy and saying, oh, we'll get, you know, uh, a, a 10 hour, uh, flight cut down to three hours or four hours. That sounds great, especially for a company's bottom line, um, getting more customers in the door, uh, charging potentially more for this service, um, and making, making more money. But there's a lot that boom has to prove before they can even deliver their first uh, aircraft to United. Um, and of a lot of those things, one of them is absolutely going to be um, what is the impact on the, the people on the passengers on the flight, right? What's the safety of this? Is, is it, is it exactly. safe? Exactly. Right. Cause I mean, this is, it's pretty, pretty fast. I mean, how it's very fast, <laughs> how, how, how does that compare to, um, like a standard uh, 747. Let's do a 777. Um, sure. A, a 777's top speed is at, at cruise is 560. And this was how fast? 1304. So, yeah. Yeah. A little faster. A little, a little, fast. A little like, fast. What is that? Like four to five times? It's something like that. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not good at the maths, but I I shut my brain off after I clock out. So <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, no it, more. It's it's more fast. It's gonna be pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be pretty cool to see. Um, I mean, I I love traveling. It's it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, it's one thing I look forward to after the pandemic's over, at least abroad. Um, and now that I'm out of college, I'm able to do that and, and take time off and, and experience the world, right? Um, and so that's absolutely something I would consider in the future if it gets me to my destination quicker, if the ride is uh, better for me in terms of the experience, the in, in-flight in experience. Um, and the also, value it provides is worth yeah. the additional price it pay, it would be for the yeah. ticket. And also just because I'm really curious about this, I also just want to like – Go Mach 1.7. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to experience this as, as someone who's curious about the technology and who's curious about um, this, this new and potential, this, this potentially uh, new wave or this potential new wave uh, of air travel. Definitely. Definitely. And we will have to keep an eye on that as uh, oh, we're going through One it. thing I didn't mention and you have to pull this up because I think this is really neat. Um, so, yes, United has purchased, and it's in the same article. Um, you can scroll down. I, you'll find it as soon as I say it. Um, United has, has tentatively purchased uh, 15 of these units. Uh, but the U.S. Air Force is also or has also expressed interest 
in uh, purchasing one of these or uh, to uh, turn it into an Air Force One. And this would be a very practical uh, application for this uh, new aircraft because uh, there's no more important thing um, than trying to get the president um, and, and his associates and, and everyone he travels with around their destination really quickly. Um, and especially if this can be safer um, than, than a typical uh, Boeing Air Force One, um, I'm all for it. And uh, I believe they're also trying to, or they want to, well, no, they did just purchase new uh, aircraft, uh, I believe in the last administration um, for Air Force One. But there's, that's not to say that they wouldn't also purchase another one of these. Um, and that's uh, supposedly expense of the taxpayer, but. Um, and think about in, in, okay, what what's the life expectancy of that plane? 20 years, maybe? By that time, they could be rolled out and they could be relatively common. So it would just make logical sense to purchase a plane like this. You, you just don't know whenever the the lifespan of current, well, the, the brand new Air Force One would end. So who knows? It's all speculation. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can't believe I almost forgot about that. But yeah, that was, that was one of the other things that stood out to me. Um, an article that, that I sent in that first one that you had pulled up, it was mainly pictures, which I thought was phenomenal for this, um, in this context with, with showing on the podcast. Um, Mm-hmm. And it was definitely hidden in there too. Right, you had to scroll through a lot of it, but it was a lot of really cool pictures and uh, a lot of really cool renderings and uh, predictions for time um, for right. uh, of travel. So we'll, we will, as as you would say, we will see. We will see indeed. There you go. Took the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. All righty. Well, with that, I think we've uh, we've spoken for like an hour and a half at this point. Uh, but Hey, thank you so much for coming out. Grizzlo today. Really appreciate it. It is always a pleasure to have you out here. Um, and thank you everybody for tuning in to our episode today. Uh, check back next week for a treat, especially uh, when Grizzlo will show off something cool, um, and some new, uh, articles that will be coming and new tech news as it emerges. So with that, thank you all for being here tonight. Hope you have a wonderful evening and tune in next week to more Tech Talk Nation. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.